I'm Andrew Sherman. I'm a Texas transplant who has always been in pursuit of art as a career. I've played in bands, pursued an acting career in Hollywood, but I found it behind the lens of a camera here in Dallas, Texas. I was born in New York, I've lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, Austin, but I love Dallas. There's a magical artistic scene in Dallas that mostly goes unnoticed to the outside world. This podcast is focused on what makes it so special and the people who make it thrive artistically. If you don't live here, and even if you do, you might not have heard of them. This is the Dallas Famous Podcast. So who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you are? Who you gonna be? Who you gonna be when you are? Tiffany Vollmer is a true Renaissance woman. She's probably best known for voicing the character of Bulma in Dragon Ball Z, Dragon Ball, and Dragon Ball GT. But that's just a small part of Tiffany's resume. She was a child model, she's an actor, makeup artist, voiceover artist, director, writer, casting director, wife, and mother, just to name a few. She's also program director at MediaTek, a technical trade school focusing on audio and video. She's also the president of Women in Film Dallas. I hope you enjoy hearing my chat with the multi-talented Tiffany Vollmer. Okay, we're back with the Dallas Famous Podcast. I'm where am I? Farmer's Branch? At, you are in Farmer's Branch. Yeah, that is correct. Media Tech. Media Tech Institute. Institute, which I just now discovered uh, for the first time personally. Isn't that crazy? This place has been here for so many years, and a lot of people still don't know that it exists. Yeah. It's, I'm, well, before we get into all that, yeah. let me introduce you, oh. Tiffany Vollmer. Oh, well, hello. Yes, my Hi. guest today, this week. Um, Tiffany, gosh, your resume would take almost the whole hour, almost. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean... It's only because I'm old. Uh, yeah, well, no. You're a true artist. You've done many different things. You've, I see you've done makeup, you're actor, voiceover, teacher, um, podcaster, uh, director of Women in Film in Dallas, correct? Mm -hmm. yep. So, I mean, that that's a mouthful right there. Let's, I guess let's start at the beginning. You're, you started in New York, but you came to Texas pretty young, right? Yeah, so uh, interestingly enough, my father was a DEA narcotics agent when I was growing up, uh -huh. <laughs> and uh, you, that's where I get my acting chops from, because literally, if people didn't believe him, it was his life. So yeah. he retired from the government and moved back to, to Texas uh, after stopping in San Diego for a little while. Okay. But I got here when I was seven, like in 1979. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, I mean... Texas, like, so where did you grow up, actually? Where was it in Texas? I grew up in Garland. Garland, okay, yeah. You're where our pride is, we're not Mesquite, and we're not <laughs> Richardson. I had somebody from Mesquite, and I accidentally said they were from Garland. They got upset, so I get it goes both ways, I suppose. I, yeah, I don't a little know. Com competitive there. Um, but anyway, I feel like, okay, so you were modeling very young, correct? Yeah, it was weird. I walked into this dress shop in San Diego where we before I moved to Texas, after New York, and uh, I was like five, and I was still learning Stranger Danger, and this woman <laughs> comes running across the room, and she's like, oh my goodness, you're perfect. Huh. Try this dress on. And I was like, ah, no, I'm good, thanks. <laughs> and uh, my mom's friend was with me, and she's like, no, go, I'm gonna go get your mom, go try it on, go try it on. And the next thing you know, I was doing these really big runway shows with like supermodels and it was huh. on TV and I just I didn't know at the time that it was a big deal but apparently it was and uh because you were so young you just thought it was yeah I got to normal. wear some really fancy dresses and smile <laughs> for the camera and my mom would put makeup on me so yeah 
I dug it. Yeah, and so I guess that's probably where your like interest in makeup and in, in acting and for performing sure. all started. Yeah, for sure. I uh, did not mind the snap of a camera flash. <laughs> right. So, how long were you doing that before that kind of um, turned into something else? Um, so interestingly enough, when I was after uh, we moved to to uh, from San Diego, California to uh, Dallas, Texas, in the middle of the heat wave, it was like three three digits for the longest period in history. And at uh-huh. seven, I was like, what have I done that my parents have moved me to hell? I, I don't, my earrings burned in my ears. I couldn't ride my bike because it was hot to touch. Like couldn't figure it out. Wow. But I really liked acting and I, I really wanted to be a singer. Olivia Newton-John was my idol mm. and I would write my own songs and I, I think none of them made sense very much, but I thought I'm a great poet and I'm going to be this amazing singer. But I, was very nasally, you know, like I had this, I sounded like I was stopped up all the time (laughs) and I couldn't breathe through my nose. Uh, And it wasn't until one night I'm sitting at the dinner table and my brother's like, why do you chew with your mouth open? I'm like, "Uh, well, because I've got to breathe. And he's like, you breathe through your nose. And I'm like, oh, right. (laughs) Trying to breathe through my nose. uh, And my parents were like, oh, no. We need to get that looked at. Like uh-huh. that—that's kind of intense. So <laughs> yeah. we went, and I had enlarged adenoids, and nobody—you uh, know—they'd never been diagnosed. Huh. So when they removed my adenoids, all of a the sudden, there was this voice that I had no idea would uh, take me places uh, <laughs> as far as even now. Um, so I'm really glad they got those adenoids taken out yeah. because my life could have been very different. Yeah. But um, so when you got them out, was that, were you still not like a, able to sing? Is that not something that you grabbed? No, no, no. I, I had been writing songs and I, I remember I was like in one play because Lisa Leback was sick that day and I got to take her, <laughs> her, her place and they were doing Little Women and I got to be the maid and I got to walk in and I had one line. It was like, thank you, man. And I was like, man, I could do that. I'm going to, I'm going to do that some more. And so the next thing, you know, uh, Trudy Armas, uh, my choir teacher, uh, was like, oh my gosh, I got, I started getting solos and she was like, oh, you need to come audition for all city choir. Hmm. Well, I was a cheerleader. I did some other things. And my mom was like, I'm not taking this kid to one more audition and one more, you know, Uh, anything. We're good. Yeah. And uh, I missed the audition. Mm. And the next day, my choir teacher called my mom and said, I've rescheduled her appointment. She will be auditioning for this choir. She was chosen out of all the kids in the fifth grade to go audition uh, with two other students. And and so I went. And, of course, I got um, accepted into the all-city choir. Oh, nice. Which also led to all-state choir. Huh, right. So, yeah. So my singing career started taking off and got me very, I was always very interested in musical theater. So, uh-huh. uh, yeah, I got the lead in the fifth grade play, y'all. That's what's up. Yeah, and I did I did a lot of musical theater and theater. And what's interesting to me, though, is that there's usually like crew and actor, but you're doing makeup. I see you told me you did makeup on some films. Like, I know you've taught makeup. Like, what? Yeah. How did you like split off like that? So, uh, I guess my mother was a painter when I was growing up. So I attribute my acting to my dad, but uh, painting, my mom was a folk artist, right? Which a lot of that is like triple loading the brush and doing things in brush strokes. Mm. And it's mm-hmm. very, um, very precise and, you know, very 
Uh, and so I learned that way. And so when I was in high school, and of course, I'm like playing Dolly Levi or I'm playing, you know, Aunt Birdie and the Little Foxes or any of those roles, I was I was had to age myself. Mm-hmm. So doing makeup came really natural because I was painting with my mom. And then that also led to scene uh, painting as well. Interesting. I yeah. painted a lot of the backdrops and uh, made a lot of the big signage. I saw I. Uh, I actually painted murals in my in the walls of my high school. I painted oh. three murals in my high school. Okay, and uh, that paid off too because my senior year I got most talented out of like six hundred kids. So, oh wow! Yeah, there you go. It was nice to be recognized for like, oh, you're an artist, you know, and and not just like, oh, you're pretty. Or you was know. there some point during this time, or maybe earlier later, where you're like, this is what I'm going to be doing for my whole life? Something in this world i was discouraged a little Hmm. um my mom and dad wanted a good life for me right Mm -hmm. they're gonna my mom thought well you know i mean use those skills definitely use those skills but you know maybe go for like a jane polly you know or a a journalist of sorts where you can talk and be on camera and do all these things but you're a journalist there's a legit career there Mm -hmm. and uh i had you know I'd done a lot of other things in high school, but my senior year, I got all the lead roles. And so I knew going into college uh, that there were going to be other people that also got the lead roles in their senior plays, which mm-hmm. encouraged them to um, do it in college. And uh, they were like, well, you know, just maybe not that. So I, I took some English class, started taking basics. And I ended up in the theater department at Stephen F. Austin for a minute. And then I ended up getting a scholarship at the University of North Texas. So mm. I did wow. it anyway. Yeah. I was like, well, here here we go. You don't have to pay for these classes because <laughs> they're paying for themselves. Yeah. And I really enjoyed my career there. And, and while I was there, kind of my mentor, you know, she was also an actress, but she ran the makeup department. Uh-huh. Her name was uh, Vanessa Dion, and she's an L.A. makeup artist now and has worked on the Titanic and all sorts of really big television shows, Guiding Light, she's won awards for and whatnot. And um, she had me work under her uh, in the makeup department. And by the time I was a senior, I was the, uh, as an undergrad, I was running that department. I'd created an internship apprenticeship program for other aspiring makeup artists. Um, I was doing really well in school as an ambassador to the College of Arts and Science. I was uh, the president of the drama club. Um, I've always been in organizations where uh, collaborative efforts, people come together and create really cool stuff. So. Yeah, and I saw in your resume too, like you've been president of different organizations. It, yeah. It's, it, was there some reason behind that? Uh, I think I think I, I, I overcompensate sometimes for uh, learning disabilities and things that I had when I was younger that, you know, I had a permanent seat in the hall. Well, that's comedy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, because mm-hmm. I was just, I always made jokes and, you know, you're always was like, in trouble, you mean? yeah, get out of here. Yeah, same. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so uh, I always try to turn my weaknesses into strengths and use them to my advantage. And so people like to, I feel like people were listening to me and, mm-hmm. Um, I had some leadership skills and, um, I was given a lot of confidence by people that trusted me and, 
gave me soft skills like showing up for meetings on time yeah. and integrity, you know, like be who you say you're going to be. And mm-hmm. I went to school literally from like eight in the morning to like eight o'clock at night because I was usually in a show and I was designing a show and I was running an organization mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. And my life is very similar today. Yeah. So, I mean, but that must have been so much fun, like when that first started happening for I did you. not want to graduate college. Yeah, I get it. So well, I got a double degree. Uh, okay. Okay. But then eventually you do leave college. So then what, what was the next step after that? So uh, my whole life, people have always said, well, you're going to have to choose. You know, like you, you can't do all these things. Uh-huh. And I'm like, you want to make a bet? It's like Tell me no. You, yeah. Right, right. And my mentor, whom I loved, uh, was the costume designer there. And, and she was like, look, you're a really talented actress. And you're also a really talented makeup artist. But you're going to have to, you're going to have to choose. And I went to, this is so funny, I had this woman that, that did my charts in college mm-hmm. and uh, at this place called Voyager's Dream on um, Fry Street in Denton. And uh, I walked in, I was like, oh, I've got all these decisions to make about my future and whatnot. And she read my charts and she laughed because she knew me. Mm-hmm. She was like, oh, you're such a Leo. I'm <laughs> like, oh, is that, that's good, right? And she just laughed and she said well you're either going to be really good at real estate or you're going to be a star huh and i was like oh pff, start getting those real estate license <laughs> lessons learned i don't uh-huh. even know where to start with that yeah and two weeks later i had my first professional audition mm. with funimation and that came about in a it's a really great story everybody loves when i'm doing panel discussions at conventions all of my colleagues are like Tell your origin story. It's the best story ever. (laughs) So because I was getting a double degree and I was uh, trying not to graduate, but I still had to take that one math class, right? So I waited until my final semester to take math. And after six years of being in college, I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) Calculator. Uh (laughs) I would sit in math class and draw a picture of me jumping off of a square root into the depths (laughs) of the paper. You know, I I just had a hard time with it. And so I ended up failing my math class Mm. and I was stuck in school for another semester. And I ran into Chris Sabat, who uh, was a producer director, does all the things at Funimation, does seven different voices on the show. And he said, hey, you know, what are you uh, what are you doing later? And I said, well, I'm going to be here for a while. And he goes, oh, wow, you should come audition for the show that I'm directing. Uh, I'll give you the information for it. And he knew that I had this obsession with Olivia Olivia Newton-John, right? Mm -hmm. And so he's wearing his Pearl Snap shirt. And he goes, and this is crazy, opens up his Pearl Snap, pulls out a dubbed cassette tape of Xanadu (laughs) and hands it to me. (laughs) And he goes, well, this must be for you, not knowing that I would run into him. And gave me that tape. Two weeks later, I auditioned. Two weeks later, he called me back and told me that I was going to be Bulma on Dragon Ball Z. Wow. Wow. Okay. And the day that I went in for the auditions, uh, I called him and I was like, yeah, you know, I think I should like study up on this or like, can I, you know, wh- where do I research the show it's in Japanese? Uh-huh. And he goes, well, I've got a, a little kind of a sample of all of the voices, but it's on a VHS tape. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, VHS tape for you kids at home. Ask your parents what that is. <laughs> and he said, the problem is it's uh, it's in my house and I'm at the studio uh, in Fort Worth. So you're going to have to break into my house. 
<laughs> I'm like, okay. Uh, and he lived a street over from me in Denton's a small town. And I went over to his house and lifted up the window to his office and crawled through and opened up the top left drawer. And there it was, that VHS tape. I listened to it a couple of times and then drove out to Fort Worth and auditioned. And I didn't audition for him, but it was a callback audition. So he was like, we've already done the open cattle call. This, mm-hmm. this would be a callback. Mm-hmm. And I'm standing there with um, Sean Schimmel, who ended up being the voice of Goku, Sonny Strait, who I'd actually done makeup on at a production of Harvey at Denton Community Theater <laughs> two years before that, um, who ended up being the voice of Krillin and is still a very good friend of mine. And uh, I went in and I read for seven different roles and the producer came out and he was like, oh my gosh, it was a great audition. And I could see you in any of those roles. You've got a really great range. Shakes my hand and I'm like, oh, okay, don't call us. We'll call uh, you. I get uh-huh. it. You know, I'm not <laughs> getting that. I'm not getting it on the spot. Uh, and then I I didn't even know what role I wanted. I didn't know. I'm like, who's right. got the most airtime? That's <laughs> yeah, seriously, it's job the security, part. Absolutely. right? Absolutely. So the first, the first uh, episode that we recorded was, um, and if you're not familiar with the show, uh, we started with Dragon Ball Z, which is the saga after the origin story of mm-hmm. how the Dragon Balls became a thing. And uh, we're on an exploding planet, and the, the superhero guys that get all the fame and glory, right? I won't get into gender disparity in anime. I won't do it. Um, <laughs> maybe later. Okay. <laughs> but the guys go off and leave me there, the genius, uh, on an exploding planet. And I think, because I don't know the show very well, well, that was a great voice acting career. I, I'm like the kid who fell down an elevator shaft. Oh, you, you know, thought that was it? That was my last, oh. first and last <laughs> recording session. Right. And they just kept calling me. And I kept going in and recording. And then we went back into Dragon Ball, which Bulma's the main character. She's the one that got the Dragon Balls together in the universe. She's the one that developed the Dragon Radar to get all the Dragon Balls together in the universe. She raises Goku from a a little monkey boy to the Super Saiyan that he becomes. She's the genius that creates all of the technology that these guys use through the rest of the whole series. So I was like... I'm kind of a big deal. Like <laughs> I had no idea. And uh and even so, you're in a gray padded booth. Yeah. You know, I was in a gray padded booth for ten years. I didn't have a live audience like I was used to. Sure. And um, you know, it's very technical because it, the ADR, the type of work that we did is very different than regular cartoons. You know, sometimes like the Simpsons, they'll sit around at a round table and the writers will give the actors the scripts and the animators will be in there and they'll, you know, be able to kind of see facial expressions or kind of which way the, sure. their, yeah, the actor is going with other, that. Yeah. Well, because it's already done in Japan, we have mouth flaps. And when I started, we were not digital. We were reel to reel. So if you flubbed a line, it was, hold on, let's rewind it, get it back to the start. Oh, wow. And, this- and go again. So that, that was, uh, it was pretty, it was a pressure cooker when I first started because I wanted to be really good and I didn't want to lose my job. Um, and uh, yeah, you, you three beeps. I, I have not read the script. It's all cold readings. Oh, my gosh. And uh, beep, beep, beep. And then it's react to picture. Right. Yeah. And then there's like this whole other language of like stage directions uh-huh. that are like open mouth react over cut. So I know that when it goes black on the screen that I'm supposed to still be. Whoa! 
right. you know, or whatever huh. she's doing at the time. God, so. that, yeah, that sounds like a real specific skill. And I think at this point I would be so neurotic. I would just be so worried. Oh, but it got to, to be it. really fun. Yeah. You know, you, I you mean, it, it just, yeah. And uh, it was always a thrill to be in that booth and, um, you know, mucking up with the with the engineers and, you know, mm-hmm. passing your buddies in the hallway. I called them funny buddies at the time because there were only like maybe 12 of us when we started. And by the time we left, you know, now, well, now it's a whole nother monster. So it's not the same. Right. And so this is, you're still doing comic book conferences all the time. No, I, I just started doing Just those, started doing them. Uh, couple i mean pretty much into when we first started Uh um and then uh that when the show i don't even remember when my first convention was i want to say like 2001 i started in 1998 uh but i did big show like san diego comic-con was Mm -hmm. like what who are we what is happening here (laughs) and then i got on this really crazy uh tour there was a, a card game from score entertainment was the first dragon ball card game much like pokemon or Mm-hmm. One of those, and uh, they sent me on a tour. It was called the Hummer Tour, and we went to major cities all over the United States. We would pull up in this Hummer, painted up like the cartoons, so and we were sitting in a fishbowl. Mm-hmm. And when we got out of that, me and Sonny uh, Krillin uh, toured together. And when we stepped out of that Hummer, it was just mayhem wow. everywhere we went. It was super fun. Yeah, I mean, I I will admit I, I I'm aware of the show, but like give give me a idea like how big is this in the realm of of this universe it's crazy i i meet people all the time that were like no you were my childhood wow you really were i, I have a great story about that too i was uh in new york i was working backstage on a broadway show because i still did hair and makeup and stuff like that and uh, i was doing a wigs for moving out and i got to meet billy joel it was really exciting and uh, I got lost. I was staying with my girlfriend in New Jersey, and I got lost on the way to the Jersey Path. And I see these four guys getting in a car, and I'm like, hey, you guys know how to get to the Jersey Path? And they're like, oh, we're not from here. And I was like, oh, okay, well, are y'all the band Hanson? <laughs> and they're like, why, yes, we are. And I'm like, that's cool. I'm in the industry. Uh, what are you guys working on? And they said, oh, we just met with Madonna's producer. He's going to help us with our next album. Mm. They're like, so what do you do? <clears throat> and I said, oh, I'm here working on Broadway. I didn't tell him I was backstage on Broadway, but that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, but I also do uh, voiceover for anime. And they were like, oh, which one? And I told them, and they were like, that's in our rider. We watch that on our bus as we're going, when we're on tour. Oh, and I was nice. just like, that was weird that all of a sudden <laughs> the band Hanson is now shaking my hand and is like yeah, thinks that overwhelmed you're a big deal. that I'm cool. Yeah, yeah, that's great. I feel also, like I really made it when that when Yeah, that but you just casually dropped that you're just doing makeup on a Broadway show? No, I just said I was working on Broadway. Okay, okay. <laughs> I was like, hmm, okay. That's, I was like, that seems like something that you just skipped over, but okay. Yeah. So you were in New York for a while or just? I work, I mean, I've worked in New York. I've worked in LA doing oh, so production doing jobs. Stuff. And, I got gotcha, you, yeah, traveling yeah. with work. Um, okay, so then I know at a well, I mean, did what did anything else significant happen here before you went to New Orleans? I mean, I was doing. I, I worked with Tracy Terrell Doyle. I produced my first uh, short film, but it was actually a long short. We had a double uh, viewing at AFI mm-hmm. Dallas before mm-hmm. it turned into Diff, and that was a pretty big deal um, to get a double showing at a film festival. Mm-hmm. The first film that I produced, yeah. and uh, we shot it all in Denton. It was really great. 
And I worked on tons of music videos. I worked with Flipside Creative. I did all their makeup, wardrobe, some art direction. I did their casting. Wow. Um, I also did a lot of casting for reality television. And uh, if this is going out on um, uh, D-Bellum radio station, yeah. I worked with uh, two friends, Frankie45 and Adam. And they actually auditioned for me uh, for a M Mountain Dew commercial. <laughs> But when we did the the uh, Drowning Pool music video, I used most of my friends at Reno's as Ooh. the crowd scene nice. for that video. Nice. And we had a real good time. It was That's fun. That's cool. That was um, the first AD on that. I mean, maybe, I know I was, let's skip back for a second too. So I, did you, you just hanging out at Reno's? Uh, I know that you, I know that you definitely, you were working at Freeman for a while during COVID. Oh, that's, that's way later. So before, yeah, okay. before the show's over, uh, while I'm working uh, uh, as a voice actress and anybody in this market will tell you, it's not a full-time job. Right. You've got to do something else to make ends meet. So in between production gigs, I worked at the Barley House. Mm -hmm. I worked at it when I was on Knox Henderson. I was there for the Carter days, the Trey Johnson days. I was there for, um, I mean, Death Ray Davey. I mean, like we, I, I knew then what it was, but I don't think they knew then what that what this thing was that we mm -hmm. had. Right. Between Barley House and Muddy Waters, I got to see some of the best music that Dallas has ever been able to, to crank out. Huh. And, you know, coming from the University of North Texas, where, you know, we had jazz music. I dated a jazz guitar player for 10 years, you know. So uh, if I was going to be slinging drinks and, you know, uh, carrying trays and all that, I was going to do it in an environment where I could listen to really great music. Sure. And then I even stayed with them when we moved to the new location off SMU Boulevard okay. into where the Green Elephant used to be. So I go way deep back with not only uh, acting and makeup, but I really love the music scene here in Dallas that's as well. That's cool. Yeah, that's that's what drew me to Dallas for sure. Yeah. Um, but then why did you go to New Orleans? So the show was over, okay. and I was free to move about the country for the first time in 10 years. And I had talked. I was going to go to L.A. and go to makeup school there. But I had a friend in New Orleans that was like, dude— I look around the city and there's costumes and makeup and glitter and you can wear a tutu on a Tuesday for no reason. <laughs> and people are taking your picture and high-fiving you, which is not something that is shined upon in Dallas, right? Mm, yeah. You walk out with a tutu and some crazy makeup and, you know, fluorescent eyelashes and people are like, oh, where is she going? Yeah, you maybe know? not as much now, but probably then. Yeah, but, yeah at that time. So uh, it was very conservative from my from my standpoint. So I I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. And uh, I did that for eight years. Mm. And I did all the things I did in Dallas, but I just did it with a different group of like-minded, crazy circus people. Mm. It's yeah. really the only way you can describe New Orleans. Right, right. And you, you came back with, with a few new yes. life changes after that. Yes. So, uh <laughs> one of those things, you know, you're going to have to choose or, you know, I I would try to prove uh, not try, but I would just prove people wrong, right? So, they told me I could never have children. And mm. I I'd, I'd met my husband and we were in love and we, we were courting each other. Like he was like legit like we were going on dates and uh, -huh. uh we did Mardi Gras together and uh we we have the same costume taste. He had like a whole I lived in an art studio and he had a whole closet full of costumes and it just made sense even when we got married that uh the person that did our wedding was like ladies and gentlemen we are here to bring together these two lovely amazing 
costume collections. <laughs> um, and that's what we were known for. My husband is yeah. famous in his own right uh, in New Orleans and is making a name for himself here. Yes, Mr. I love Johnny, Johnny Woodstock. Yes. He manages up at the Granada Theater and is on KNON. On yes. Kano and now doing a New Orleans radio show. He had two radio shows uh, in New Orleans on WWOZ radio, mm. which is broadcast all over the world. So when I got pregnant after they said I couldn't have children, we got gifts from all over the world mm. from people sending Johnny Woodstock's baby. Oh, that's sweet. So, uh, so yeah, I went there. I went to New Orleans to meet my husband and have a baby. Mm. That's it. I feel like a lot of people say that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, so I knew that when I had this child, although I love New Orleans, I would have, I was traveling for work because you can't, unless you're like a part of a big film crew and then that's over $12 an hour to work somewhere is not going to sustain, you know, uh, it's just hard to find work there. Sure. So, and I wanted my, my parents to know my kids. So I was excited to move back to Dallas and uh, I called my old business partner who was running Media Tech at the time. She was the president, Tracy Terrell Doyle, for with T-Squared. We mm -hmm. were worked together before I moved. And I said, man, I got to come grow some roots. I need to be with my parents. I will scrub your toilets. <laughs> and she was like, no, 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 no. This is awesome. I need you to come write the acting for media and master makeup artistry programs at Media Tech. Wow. So for about six months, I drove with a baby in the back seat of my car eight hours to and from Dallas to New Orleans, and um, I wrote these programs. I got them accredited, and now I'm the department chair and instructor for for both. Wow, that's great. That's a great reason to come back. A great thing to come back. Yes. With. I mean, the family was here. That's like was we were going to come back anyway. Um, let's take a second. Tell me a little bit about women in film, Dallas. Um, so when I moved back and I was working at MediaTek, which I can't wait for you all to come and take a tour and see the amazing facilities we have here, um, I wanted to get back to people in the industry. And so I started going to women in film meetings. And then the next year I was asked to be membership chair. And then uh, the president that I took over for, Alicia Pasquale, had been doing it for three years, and they wanted to focus, her and her vice president wanted to focus more on the film festival, the Topaz Film Festival, that Women in Film hosts every year. We raise money for scholarships, for um, scholastic scholarships, and finishing grants for filmmakers. Mm. Um, and I'm always one of those, like, if I can give back to the community, if I can mentor somebody or let them know I've had a really great life, mm -hmm. you know, and until I had my kid, I was like, well, what am I going to do next? I feel like I've done everything that I want to do. And, and she's given me a new, uh, you know, a new peak of life and uh, new opportunities and new challenges. So it was important for me to be in a group of women that understood that sometimes stepping out of the business for a while to raise your kid or needing a babysitter or, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. juggling a schedule, uh, and I found a, a group of like-minded women, and uh, then I was asked to uh, consider uh, the office of president, and I did that. And mm -hmm. then the next year, I thought I was crazy, but I did it again. <laughs> and then I just recently was elected for another two-year term, so wow. I am there until 2024. And, uh, you know, we were trying to keep that organization afloat after coming out of a pandemic, mm -hmm. a global pandemic. So... Um, I love that I'm in a position where I get to work with the Dallas Producers Association and all of the leadership of people that uh, work in the industry here in Dallas and mm -hmm. Dallas Creative Industries as well. 
we have a new uh, film commissioner that I've already met with, and I'm super excited to see what happens for our industry here. Cool. Yeah, you said something interesting, because, I mean, I've been in, in and out of artistic endeavors, and, like, when I first was doing it, I was young, and I was of the mind, like, you should only be doing art, nothing else, and then... Oh, yeah, I went through that. Yeah, and, like, now that I'm older, it's really clear that it's important to step away. It's important to be doing things that are not artistic. I had imposter syndrome big time. Yeah. Like, I was yeah. like, they got it wrong. Like, I'm not... Maybe they won't even air that show that I was on. You know, like... Right, I, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, because it's like, you work really hard, but then when you get a these jobs sometimes it's like well how did I get that job from this work and like wait a minute I'm just in this like you said this little room and like like I don't have any feedback like am I you know yeah am I even doing anything good well, and it works with my ADD right because I'll mm -hmm. go make a movie for a while and then I started a theater company you <laughs> know I worked for the hub theater down in Deep Ellum for three years was part of their ensemble cast and uh, did makeup and hair for them as well, and and you know I've just done, and then and then it's like, well, it's time to go make a movie. Mm. Yeah, let's go make a film, <laughs> or uh, you know I'm going to live in commercial land for a while and and do some commercials and uh, make some money really quick, and then sure, you sure, know, whatever. And then so the, your podcast, that's part of Women in Film, is that correct? That is correct, okay. and we are sponsored also by MediaTek. We do our podcasts here, mm -hmm. and one of the great things about MediaTek, well, one of the many great things is that our students are always looking for projects to get involved involved with sure so we have students that produce uh, the women in film podcast we're just saying <laughs> has nothing to do with dragon ball z super saiyans it's just me and gail my vice president mm -hmm. who is uh, an amazing actress she's on the board with sag aftra and uh, she's kind of the straight guy and i'm kind of like the <laughs> you know still sitting out in the hall Mm -hmm. Like I did in yeah. in middle school and high school. I watched so. some of one of the podcasts. It seemed like you're giving a lot of advice to young performers, young filmmakers. Yeah, I mean, our mission really is to empower, promote, and mentor. And um, we like to see women that are doing great things in Dallas, much like you're doing, thank you very much, mm -hmm. and putting them in the hot seat and um, showing other women the career path that these ladies have trailblazed for us. Right. You know, yeah. and... Uh, uh, just celebrating women and their accomplishments in a male-dominated industry because yes. it's that's what's up. I mean, that's been one of my challenges is finding women who... I have a huge you know, list for you. I'm aware that there is a bunch. And yeah. I'm like, you know, it's just about... Uh, I think when I started, I was like, what's Dallas Famous mean? And I've already, I'm like, it means a lot more than I even thought it did at first. You know, yeah. there's a lot of people, that definition is a lot bigger than I thought. Mm -hmm. um, what else? What else do you have coming up? Well, uh, I had a very busy year last year. I produced uh, four films, three shorts and one feature. Uh, one feature uh, <clears throat> I was a coordinating producer on and that I'm also in. And uh, it's uh, opposite, well, not opposite, but it's starring uh, Louis Mandalore, mm -hmm. who is Costas Mandalore's brother. Uh, I did a uh, short dog film where I voiced the voice of a dog that <laughs> is now in the hands of the daughter from Modern Family. I produced another film that my daughter and I were in uh, starring James Tupper called The Stranger. Mm -hmm. We had our big L.A. premiere at the L.A. Shorts Film Festival. Uh, we also uh, won the Newport Film Festival Audience Award and Beverly Hills Audience Award wow. and now in development, hopefully, for a television show. And then, um, I don't know, I produced something else. And I also, I love to production design as well, using all of the skills from my design degree and loving art and creating things. 
And I pre- produced, or not produced, but I production designed two proof of concept television series that will hopefully get picked up and developed here in Dallas. Okay, wow. Yeah. All right. Um, fantastic. And I guess just to close it out, um, if somebody wants to take part in the Dal- Women in Film Dallas. Yes, please go to our website at www.with. Dallas, W-I-F, Dallas.org. You can reach me at Tiffany at MediaTech.edu. Mm-hmm. You can reach me at President at WithDallas.org. And you can find me at Lakewood Landing or uh, the <laughs> Cock and Bull or... The All Good Cafe or St. Pete's Dancing Marlin. I like mom and pop shops. And Sound like you're a Deep Ellum. Deep Ellum, East Dallas girl. East Dallas. Yes. Yep. Same. I yes, love yes, it. Yes. All right. Hey, thanks again, Tiffany, for sitting oh, down with me. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah. I really appreciate yeah, it. We're looking forward to all the great projects out there. Thank you so much. I'd like to thank Tiffany Vollmer for being my guest as well as hosting us over at MediaTek for this interview. Theme song, Unstoppable by Celine Narala. You can check out the Dallas Famous podcast every week on Deep Elm Radio, Sundays and Tuesdays at 1 p.m. and then again on all the podcast places. 